0: Welcome to the Hyper Voice episode 66. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am your host Stephen Morioka and I am here today with Alex Underhill. Hello. And Mike Wojtala. Hey everybody. We've got a great show for everyone today. We're here with Mike today and Mike you are a tournament organizer, or a TO, as well as a judge for the Play Pokemon program. Now, uh, tell us just a little bit about that, your role uh, in, in the community as uh, in those two positions. And, uh, you know, you do uh, VGC, and I was also curious, you know, if you do the trading card game side as well.
1: Uh, I do. Um, not as much on the trading card game side. I spend most of my time on the video game side of the house, but um, I do a lot of organization uh, here in northeast Indiana. And I work closely with the uh, organizers over in Ohio as well. Um, So I kind of started my Pokemon journey mostly uh, on the trading card game side, working leagues and and, and whatnot. But then uh, we kind of got hooked on the video game side of the house a number of years back, uh, 2016-ish, 2015 maybe, Um, and just kind of started growing from there. And um, I think up until this year, um, I've been really the only active video game tournament organizer um, uh, here, here in Indiana. Uh, but I think this season we're actually starting to see some more organizers uh, in my neck of the woods, which is actually really good
2: for us. Mm-hmm. Um, although some might disagree with the whole Midwest CP saturation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, so Mike, when exactly did you start uh, TOing and judging? Well, I guess they're those are different times probably. Um, so, man. Did you start as a judge?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I really started... Um, Toing, um, what was the last? Uh, not this last DC, but the the one before 2014 that, uh, Worlds. Was that 2014? Yeah, so probably 2013. I was doing some to stuff, but it was mostly the the local league tos when they first started uh, letting us run local like super local events at the at the uh, the league level. Um, uh, that's when I really kind of started doing that, and then um, started volunteering at. Uh, nationals, uh, regionals, those kinds of things, and just kind of started growing from there. And it just kind of really skyrocketed uh, really quickly uh, once I started doing that kind of thing.
2: Now, not to steal the spotlight from Mike, but uh, I just wanted to share a quick story about how I like began to know Mike. It was actually at the start of, uh, of my Pokemon career, my first regional at Madison in 2015. And uh, there was actually uh, an instance at that regional where... I had come down to time. I think it was uh, it was probably a best-of-one regional, right? We didn't have best-of-three regionals then. Uh,
0: yeah, that's right. It would have been one game.
2: <laughs> so I think the one game yeah. came to time, and it was actually my Salamence versus another Salamence. And uh, the time ran out, and I was like, how much HP do you have? And he was like, 152 or something like that. And I was like, okay, I've got 163. I win. I, I won. I won. Uh, but the game says I lose. And I was like... Hold on, judges, what is up with this? This is unfair. The, what? My, <laughs> I know that the I have more HP. That's how the tiebreaker works. Uh, and so I actually asked uh, Mike, was the judge nearby? And I was like, hey, man, what's up with this? This is like, this is this isn't how it works, is it? And uh, I think uh, and I don't want to uh, misquote you, Mike, but I think you also weren't totally sure yourself. So you wanted to go get more assurance, like, you know, assurance, right? Right, And so you were like, hold on, I'm going to... Yeah, I, I totally remember that now. I mean, it's like, I just, was that actually our first interaction?
1: Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I vividly remember that now because uh, I can't remember who you were playing, but it, we, I, I remember you, both of you were like, wait a minute, what just happened? And um, you guys were super cool about it, though, too, because you were saying, okay, it, this is what the game says. We're going to sign the match slip and we're going to move on, You because know, that's what it is, what it is. Um, but you guys are super cool. and But at the same time, you were saying, um, I really kind of want to understand what's happening. And I, I agreed with you guys. I was like, okay, I want to understand what's going on uh, so that we can give you the best possible answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can't remember who... At that time, the Pokemon reps, um, uh, they, they were at almost every single regional, if not all of them at that time. And um, I can't remember who the rep was, but we went and we sat down and started chatting about it. And um, that's when they clarified that you know, it's based upon that uh, HP remaining for the team, that ratio. Yes. Um, so it take, takes into account that whole team. And, and you know, I think players and judges now are, are very aware of it because it's clearly spelled out in the uh, resolving games in the rules document. Yes. Uh, but
2: but back then it was back not then, it, wasn't it was really not clear, clear. No, it
1: was not clear just whatever the game was when said. i told like my yeah.
2: friends afterwards when you gave me the answer i was like this is how it happened everyone's reaction was like that's total bull like what that's not how it should work or like you know they're like <laughs> i didn't i or i didn't know that's how this worked you know like people were super confused and they're like you got robbed that was your win and it was like really funny because uh back then we were all just so naive and like you know the rules were so much more lax or unknown uh and like a lot of those things weren't uh Clearly laid out or talked about, or just not even relevant. Like they might not have come up very often.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, especially with single game and uh, twenty minute, um, uh, the, the, we just were just in the game timer. So there was no round timer for BGC. It was just you run it, and when the game resolve, the game's resolved, right? Um, but when we started getting these really long games, and we moved to that, uh, the the my time, um, we we introduced that whole round timer. And so we needed a way to um, resolve those games that aren't complete when we call a round time, right? Because we can't sit there and let everybody just play out the rest of that time because that could take mm-hmm. forever. And uh, and actually, I think if I think back to that time, I don't think we even had a um, an actual video game document, did we? Oh, good question. I don't, remember. I don't know either. I don't think we had our own separate rules document. I think we just rolled off of the... Uh, penalty guidelines and the operating procedures uh, from organized play, and that's Yeah, honestly
0: it. that sounds correct um, there would have not have been a separate document for video game rules versus trading card game rules, so you know, because at the time as well for the timer the, all of the program would have been, or all the uh, results would have been dictated by the game itself so there wasn't really a need for it either but, yeah uh, you know, that, that's a really fascinating story, you know, just hearing the way that both of you met under these uh, essentially trying to understand how did this? How did this result come about from this game? So it's kind of funny.
2: Yeah, and so that's actually yeah. a large part of what Mike and I's relationship, uh, you know, aside from being friends. But like, what kind of built it was that I would always come to Mike and say, "Well, hey, what if I did this weird thing?" Or like, I would always ask like very on the edge of like being not tournament legal questions. Or like, you know, hey, if I went about it this way, would that still be legal, or would that be able? To, could you just ban that? Because the rules aren't very clear, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, and every every time he walks up, I'm like,
2: okay, what's he get? Pretty asked much.
0: <laughs> All right, I love that. I love that like running a uh, theme between the two of you there. That sounds uh, very entertaining. You know, I, I want I want to be around for one of Alex's newer questions. Maybe that come up uh, soon in the coming months. For sure, Star- I, 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 I got a good
2: one. I got a good one. I could bounce off uh, you guys sure, right we'll. now. <laughs> it's uh, it's the barcode nicknames. I've talked about them for a long time. I think I already did ask Mike about this though. Um. Yes, yes oh man <laughs> but i don't know if steven knows about it but that's the latest one that i've been like thinking about is i really want to do my pokemon nicknamed uh various alterations of i and l lower or capital i and lowercase l but you know none of the six names would be the exact same but they would still be pretty indiscernible from somebody when you see them switching in giving you that extra maybe half a second of time before the pokemon hits the field of uh advantage and thinking time i don't know Either way, it just makes it very confusing <laughs> for the opponent. You just want to cause trouble. Yeah, that too.
0: Yeah, even even like nowadays when the nicknames are visible in, um, you know, most tournaments now, it's like uh, Premier Challenges, Mid-Season Showdowns, Regionals, all can show nicknames and everything. Um, even that, like, you know, I see the nicknames, it's like, I can't always remember who this Pokemon is when, that, when my opponent sends that, them out, so... Try being a streamer. The, oh, gosh, yeah. So... Those split second decisions, you know, giving that, ex- giving you that extra time can be, uh, really meaningful. And, uh, what a great segue here. Speaking of streaming and being a streamer, uh, we want to talk to Mike here about, uh, just running streams for the video game side of things. Now, this can be, uh, we're specifically talking about four, um, tournaments. So this can, we're going to be talking about premier challenges, midseason showdowns, and regionals, um, we can perhaps dabble into the larger levels if, uh, Mike, you've had any hand in those things. But we just want to ask you some questions about and just have you talk about, you know, the streaming side from um, your end as a TO and a judge for VGC, um, what that kind of looks like for you.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, so we were just talking about nicknames. And honestly, when we started doing QR code locking uh, for things and nicknames were showing, um as a well i guess actually as a to judge and a streamer um that's one of the things i just kind of kind of get the most nervous about is like because we, we don't see nicknames until the first time you actually see them on stream yes so <laughs> it's not like they're on team sheets and i go oh this is a really bad you know nickname it's you know yeah so I'm, here we are streaming and it says you've been challenged by lexicon and boom lexicon sends in bleep and bleep and you're like oh my god (laughs) Um, (laughs) luckily uh, i've never really had um, anything come across stream like that Um, anything we've ever really caught uh, nickname wise has been uh, uh, handled during like team checks when we're actually looking at battle boxes and stuff Um, so we've usually caught them there so uh, knock on wood here that's continue that trend of not being um, too bad on stream Um, but you know from from, from a larger perspective on streaming, um, th- there, I stream a lot here in Indiana, Ohio, uh, Michigan now, um, um, and just recently Knoxville is my first uh, regional. we can t- chat a little bit about that, but um, there are a number of groups out there that do a way, 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 way more uh, streaming than I do, um, especially like the regional levels. Um, I know we had what LGN last year did... Uh, all the top cut events uh, for stream. Um, You had uh, the critical hit did both uh, video game and TCG for a good deal of the other regionals. And um, both of those crews uh, did a a pretty knockout job and, you know, they bring a lot of production value, uh, especially on the commentary side. Um, My focus has really been been predominantly the the grassroots streaming side here in the local areas. Um, and I really haven't gotten involved in the regional streaming, um, except for, like I said, Knoxville, when uh, I heard at the last minute that there wasn't any plans for any VGC uh, stream. I reached out to Jimmy and convinced him to, to go ahead and let me bring my stuff. And, you know, as long as we didn't cause too much trouble, we could provide some kind of stream out for the folks out there. Um, and, um, you know, while I haven't been on the production side um, at like internets or worlds, Um, there was a couple of years where I was working tech, so I did get to see some stuff behind the scenes and interact with the production crew there, which is, uh,
2: pretty exciting as well. So, um, Mike, when, uh, when did you start streaming your local events?
1: Uh, let me think back. I man, I didn't even think about how, when did I actually start doing that? Um, I, I think I actually started streaming my local events the, the, the instant we were able to do, um... Uh, but this is before we had what mid-season showdowns before we had, I think the first thing they introduced to us at the local level was the PCs, right? Like, yes. Uh, along with like league challenges and things. Yeah. Um, so w- whichever year that was, um, uh, uh, myself and a co-league leader, uh, we had an old 3ds and we sent it off to loopy and, uh, my life has never been the same. Um, we, we didn't necessarily start streaming, but we, you know, we had a capture device and we were showing, um, kind of a feature match at, at our local, uh, league challenges. And then, uh, uh, I started chatting with a couple of folks and I think Jen, um, Adamo is kind of what, what really kind of got me onto the streaming side. She says, check out OBS studio. And, um, from there, I just kind of created my own Twitch channel and started streaming uh, fairly soon after uh, we started doing all the PC stuff. Because um, if you think about it, uh, if you really wanted to do a super basic stream, you need a laptop, um, a capture device, and a pretty strong internet account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that nowadays, even a, a mediocre internet speed is, is decent enough to, to put out um, kind of a, just a basic stream. Um but once you have those components there, uh, kind of sky's the limit of how far you want to take it, uh, and that really kind of depends upon your uh, technical prowess and your pocketbook.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing it since twenty fourteen, really. I I don't, I don't know why I like was expecting sometime like post twenty sixteen, like twenty seventeen. I don't know. Mm, was there like not a, word, well, a lot of work? If, getting if it I look it? at
1: like streaming in earnest.
2: I was just but, saying, was like there was the word not getting out about it? Like, were not a lot of people tuning in, or am I just like living under a rock?
1: Well, no, I you know if I think about, I'm trying to think. So when when did the PCs really kind of start picking up? I I I, I can't even.
0: Yeah, remember. so I've i got an um, answer for everybody here. So our uh, actually for you know all these things really, uh, Premier challenge the first premiere challenges that we you know. We officially had what started in April of 2014, so late in that season. Um, It was kind of announced out of the blue, like, probably a month, maybe a month prior in March of that year. So they're very brand new. You know, first time uh, Pokemon on the video game side really had any sort of locals, local tournaments like that. And, you know, those have continued since the, uh, you know, started since late 2014 there. And uh, just speaking of streams in general... Um, you know, a lot of people would stream as, uh, fans or players, but in terms of, like, official tournaments, you know, um, Nationals 2013, um, that was, uh, you know, the big video bro was broadcast over the big, like, projector screen, um, for just the venue. It wasn't actually, st- I don't believe that was actually streamed to, uh, the, through the internet to people. Um, Worlds 2013 was the first one by, like, uh, the Pokemon Company International to do that, um. And then after that, you know, they started doing all the, you know, major nationals and stuff like that, or at least U.S. nationals and worlds. And um, it's progressed ever since then to what we have now with all the internationals being streamed. They've done several regionals since, as well as, um, you know, all the world championships since uh, 2013.
1: Wow. Okay. So PC's at the end of 2014. Um, So we started doing, like you said, kind of the, the local feature match kind of thing. I probably didn't really start getting into streaming, streaming probably to the middle of 2015. So that kind of aligns a little bit to what you, you were thinking mm-hmm. about, Alex, uh, kind of late 2015, 2016 timeframe. Um, yeah, because it, you know, we, I started doing the PC stuff because it was available to us, but I really didn't get into that PC ju- or uh, video game judging and kind of getting wrapped around the axle on the technical parts of the stream part. Um, until kind of that, um, that worlds in, 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 DC that first time, um, uh, kind of fell in love with it, uh, working for the dark side and mm-hmm. uh, kind of started running from there. Um, you know, and then you start with a laptop and a capture device, and then you add a sound mixer and you add headsets and you know, things of that nature. Um, and just kind of just steadily grew from there. Um,
2: really sky's the limit. Now, one thing that I'm wondering, did it stay consistent? did you stick with that same 3ds throughout the whole time? Um, actually, yes.
1: Um, this, the, the black 3ds you guys played on at Na- uh, Knoxville, uh, mm-hmm. was the same 3ds that we had. Oh my uh, gosh. Modified all those years. That's back. really impressive. Yeah. It, it's, 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 I've done some minor maintenance. Um, you can ask uh, players like Ashton Cox and whatnot. Um, uh, some, some of the buttons get a little sticky and whatnot. So I, I do a little maintenance to make sure I try to clean those up, uh, uh, even uh, Jeremy Rodriguez is, was saying that it was starting to get a little sticky at, at Knoxville, so I uh, had <laughs> to b- bust out the rubbing alcohol and try to, try to clean that up for players because, you know, um, that, that, that's kind of my number one goal in both organizing, judging, uh, and as a stream person um, to try to provide the best um, experience I can to the players. Um, you know, I can't always do the, the – the, everything i can't make everybody happy and i can't spend all my time and resources um you know t- making everybody or as, you know putting on a huge huge production but um you know little things like trying to clean the ds trying to trying to clean up the overlays trying to make things as professional as i can uh within my time and monetary budgets you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah that that 3ds has been around forever um, i actually contemplated this season um, yeah, replacing old faithful, but I said, you know, I think she's got one more season left in her before we hit the switch. And, uh, uh, so we, yeah. we've been, we've been, we've been cruising along and uh, so far so good again, knocking on a little bit of wood here before, uh, we make that switch transition that we make it all the way through without having to be a an emergency
2: replacement, because we still have a couple things we want to stream through the rest of the year. Yeah. Now jumping a little bit far ahead. Uh, do you have plans for uh, when the switch comes when we're playing on sword and shield? Yeah, so as soon as they announced the
1: the, the next gen being on Switch, um, you know, we we knew almost nothing about it, and um, there's a group of us that just immediately right out of the gate said, okay, how are we going to start doing things, right? We we started looking at, um, you know, how do we capture, how are we going to connect, and to be honest, there's still some things up in the air that um, we think we have a firm grasp on, but we really, really won't know until the game actually is released and we actually see how some of those things are going. Um, from the technical side point, standpoint, the capture is actually pretty straightforward. Um,
0: yeah, with, it's going to be easier,
1: I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because right out of the box, um, the Switch provides an HDMI output. Um, again, so long as you don't have the Switch Lite. Um So just about anybody with an HDMI capture uh, can go ahead and stream stuff, right? Um, so... Um, in preparation, I've purchased. A, there's a nifty little device out there, uh, an Elgato HD60. Uh, it's a USB 3.0 device that you hook up the uh, uh, HDMI to and capture that off, and then I can just pump that straight into OBS. Um, and actually, that's something I do at my local streams, uh, like mid seasons and PCs. Um, oh, this is true. I didn't yeah, even think about this. <laughs> yeah. so I, I I do that right now for. Um, so instead of having the music and kind of the standard you know we'll be back soon waiting screen um uh, for my local events i hook up a switch and we play smash ultimate um so people that are uh, not at the event can sit back and watch people do all kinds of crazy things on smash ultimate while we kill a little bit of time between rounds or during our lunch break and hack checks uh, of that nature so We've already kind of used that as kind of our testing ground for actual the technical side of the capture and making sure we can capture that. Um, and it, to tell you the truth right now, that is super awesome with regards to uh, the capability.
2: Yeah, and so I think it's super interesting that, uh, like you mentioned, the Switch Lite, uh, how we're moving away from the digital players being the ones that are no longer able to be streamed, and that was a game-specific thing, Now it's going to be the issue with the players with the Switch lights. you know. Although, yeah, Yeah, so is digital cart even an issue anymore? I guess not. So so you you bring
1: up the Switch light and and capturing, right? So the other part that kind of has grassroots streamers kind of concerned, uh, uh, but we think, you know, we have some speculations and and we have some hopes out there. Um, With the 3DS, with a capture, we're capturing both the top and lower screen, and we only ever screen stream, sorry, the uh the top part, right? We don't show the bottom part with mons and moves and stats yep, and stuff yep. like that. Um with the Switch, we only have one screen. Right? Yeah. Um while we don't have any really super good in gameplay battling mechanisms or like footage. Uh, actually we kind of do now because uh they've had the demo at um uh like NEIC, uh, they had it at Worlds um, so if you went through any of those demos, you could see that with one screen, uh, when you go through your move selections when in the middle of battle, you know, your your moves come in from the side, you pick moves, um, you know, switching Pokemon, you, you know, that's all present on the viewable gameplay area. Um, and even before they even had any of that, um, that was probably my number one concern. The, the technical part I knew we could probably overcome no matter what. Um, but as a streamer now, I'm thinking, how, how do we preserve? Because that's one thing we've always kind of done uh, from a stream perspective is we've really, really worked in, from the stream overlays to the commentators not revealing information, um, yeah, uh, that hasn't been revealed, right? So h- how do we how do we stream a, a, a match without showing these moves sliding in and out and you know, at first we were like, oh, well, we could put this little overlay that blocks out that area. But then you're losing a lot of animation space. And then you mm-hmm. know, we said, well, what if we have that blocked out area come in during move selection and then goes away during the animations? And then I'm thinking, well, now you have to have a whole cast of people in the production side.
2: Or a program.
1: Really, yeah, Well, yeah, Yeah, that would be even more difficult. But, you know, having somebody that's alert to, to throw these things over the the screen to block the areas. um, and, and then the minute you, you you slip up, you know, somebody's going to have a real gripe. And um, so we've, some of us have been kind of just back and forth trying to figure out how we want to accomplish this or, you know, kind of worrying about it because, you know, what's that going to do to our streams? Um, now, with the advent of Switch, um, we have what Splatoon has some other, um, like a, uh, Uh, spectator mode right Um, I think smash ultimate also as well you can watch other people uh, brawl Um, so I think the vast majority of us that do grassroots streams um, are praying to whichever okay so that's
2: where you're at you're crossing fingers for that because that's where I'm at too yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the gameplay footage kind of
1: alludes to that too, right? With the whole... The whole Rotom
2: um, camera thing.
1: Yeah, the Rotom camera, the kind of stadium battling feel, you know, with the, these rotating sky cams and stuff like that. Um, we 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 are... We got fingers crossed, we've got all kinds of uh, rituals going on that we get a spectator-type mode, right? Um, so, in in my mind, as a streamer, I would have my non- 3ds light version i you know the the, the full up three uh switch mm-hmm. docked connected to my capture card and you know i create a battle room i guess or something along that lines where the two players come up for the stream match they join that room and then i'm the spectator and they're battling inside that room and um in some ways that actually kind of makes from a player experience um you know they don't have to remove their cartridge they don't have to play on a, a the um Dawn of Time 3ds, or they don't have to play. <laughs> it. They don't have to play on the CTR. Um, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. So anybody that's been like in, uh, the internationals or worlds uh, on the stream systems is, you know, this this 3ds shell that has like this ginormous arm thing that goes to a box. You know, I was going to say that do... cable's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. So if if that comes to fruition. You know, players just basically show up and they battle just like they would normally do, with one small change: with joining this room so somebody can watch. Right? Um, That that's kind of really the only difference. So at that point, you know, your familiarity with your own system—you know—you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, and it also gets rid of the 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 complications with regards to digital versus um, uh, uh, physical cartridge, right?
2: Um, And that would also remove any worries about a, a light switch. Not being able yeah. to be docked and stuff.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Those uh those two systems can just you know hook up to with one another to for the battle. You can watch them in spectator mode. You know something we are really hoping for. And I love that uh you know Mike you on the TO side with a bunch of others are have already like thought about this. You know this that this progress is um being thought about and being worked on um for the future. So I love you know just seeing this from the other side of things. You know because we're on the player side and don't often you know, know how much of a, you know, of a maybe I guess a grind or how difficult it can be to do this. And, you know, we still have some time until the, you know, actual game's release and everything, but I just love how this is being worked on at the moment. And um, speaking of the, you know, being able to, I guess, hide information if, you know, if something like this doesn't come to fruition, something like the spectator mode is that, you know, way back in the day, we used to have um, these little black bars over the HP numbers, because even those you know people didn't want revealed, because that revealed some information about their Pokemon. Um, that was back in like the world's 2012 stream or 2013, maybe even two. But uh, those are eventually were done away with. So, um, you know, HP isn't that big of a deal, but you know, moves and sometimes the Pokemon you've gotten back, uh, like playing on stream, can be uh, pretty significant.
1: Yeah. Um. So if we don't get a spectator move, that Really does put a streamers in kind of a pickle. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we we we've been toying with the idea of those black bar type things, but like I said, either we have to deal with um, you know spaces in the play area that are just permanently blacked out, you know, wasted which is real really estate, ugly. Say yeah, yeah, like a re, like a redacted video, you know, <laughs> top secret yeah. kind of thing. Um, or or we rely upon casters being able to, um, you know, dynamically turn those things on and off and and be really vigilant with with that respect, you know, so that you don't inadvertently, you know, not throw up the the screen blocking part. Um,
2: Which would be really hard because at the end of the turn, if you're like, you know, distracted by, wow, that took the KO and then it's like, now it's time for them to pick their moves for, you know, turn two and oh no, I forgot to put up the black bar yeah
0: it may just even come to a point too where um it might just be acceptable to you know what don't worry about it everyone's gonna reveal information you got if you're going on stream, you know you don't really have a choice at that point anyways, so if information gets revealed it's gonna happen
1: yeah that that's that's the other extreme side right and um I, if I remember correctly too, when we were getting ready for was it the Frankfurt regionals or what was the one that was early this season uh overseas there was a poll that went around Twitter about uh if you make it to top cut you know revealing team sheet information ah yes Mm -hmm. yes um yeah so that was floating around and that's kind of the the start of that kind of idea right is hey you know you know at least with top cut you know by the time you've reached top cut a good majority of the information about your team's already been shared right um through you've probably been on stream at least once during swiss um you know, players players share notes in between rounds, or they say, "Hey, what's this guy?" Running? They do, you know, yeah, all the time. Um, what? So, you know, nobody ever gives me their notes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to make um, some more friends. Yeah, it's because they're playing against you. That's right. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So you know, th- there is kind of a thought in that direction as well, and um, I think uh, Barish from uh, Germany even like screen snipped part of the rules doc where it actually says, uh, organizers you know, have the right to publish team information at any point. Right. Um, the, the, big challenge there in my mind though, is if information like that is going to be shared, um, it's, it has to be timely and it has to be fair to all. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and to be fair to all, the, uh, revolves around a lot of you know access to that information um if you you know if you want to try to provide a paper copy to everybody in the tournament that's almost impossible to do um and if you're trying to do it electronically um you know depending upon what type of tournament you're running or you're at uh, especially like internationals with uh, visitors from other countries you know not everybody might have access to the internet, right? So if I post all the team sheets online and, you know, Tommy from, you know, Norway um, is traveling to the U S and he doesn't want to pay, you know, 50, 60 bucks for international data plan. um, They're at a disadvantage and and that's not fair to them as well. So um, like I said earlier, um, uh, say a prayer, Uh, Sacrifice a Goat, whatever it is. Um, Hope we just get some kind of spectator mode pretty, pretty please, right?
2: Now, Mike, one other thing, uh, since we're still kind of on the subject of speculation for Sword and Shield. um, Sure. As a TO, what are your thoughts on, like, tournament software and just, like, how you're going to be running tournaments now on the Switch when, you know, we've been so long just connecting via IR and having the, you know, QR code tournaments that we've been able to run. We don't have all the answers on how that's going to work but what are your what have you speculated what have you thought going forward on how you're gonna run your tournaments once we transition to switch
1: yeah so transition to switch like i said yeah. um we've been looking at uh from the stream perspective but also been looking from uh box locking regulation loading as well so uh again more work in the background you know you guys are hating oh the man series. You guys are hating Box on Ultra locking. Series, and uh, as organizers, we are too, and we're, we're leaning forward, and are trying to figure out how we want to accomplish any of that other stuff. There's no camera. Um, but at the same time, uh, most of it's driven by speculation, right? Because um, mm-hmm. we, we don't work for TPCI, we don't work for Pokemon, we don't work for Nintendo or Game Freak. Um, so we, we get the same news you all get um, <laughs> uh, from the same sources at the same time. So, But we just spend a lot more time in the background, you know, Game theory, and, you know, how we're, some of this is going to go down. Yeah. So, yeah, with regards to uh, regulation locking and that kind of stuff, uh, looking at the device itself, um, the the main things that it has um, is the USB connector, right? And Wi-Fi slash Bluetooth. It has Bluetooth, right? I forget. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say yes. So th- those are your main sources of... Um, data transfer, right? So, um, and actually does, I think on the right Joy-Con on the bottom, there's actually also a little IR camera as well. But There is. Um, it, you know, as you know, we don't have the IR box lockers at all the regionals and we don't have them at all our mid-seasons. So um, if you take that deployment mechanism out, the IR, we're really left with uh, essentially the two main ones, some kind of wireless communication or a, a usb interface um, so the most reliable one i can see is going to be some kind of a usb interface possibly um, that um, we can use to essentially like, squirt or load the, um, the regulations onto a player's de- uh, device and then lock them into the tournament that way right um that, okay that, that's one mechanism um and it's probably the one that allows for the most control. Um, if you do some kind of wireless distribution, um, there's a little bit more, I think, advantage uh, or potential for, for players to take advantage of for the ones that are a little more nefarious, right? Um, if they have access to the Wi-Fi um, distribution for the regulations, you know, locking in a team and then, you know, somehow circumventing the lock and, and doing that kind of things. Um, but the the USB mechanism allows us to control the distribution of those regulations um, uh, a little more tightly. So, But it's uh, terribly I, I'm, slow. I'm leaning towards that direction, possibly.
2: Unfortunately, that would be a little bit slow, though, to have to manually plug into each Switch console to lock boxes then.
1: Um, you know. Well, I,
2: I guess that's about as fast as the IR, right? Yeah, it's probably about as fast as IR. Um
1: uh, probably about as fast as the QR for, for that matter, you know, taking a screen capture and then have it load. I mean, um, if, if the device that's loading the regulations is all set, it just has this little USB cable, you walk up, plug it in, receive, unplug and off you go. Right. Um, so I I would think it should be about the same. Um, when it's all said and done, we might have a little slowdown at first because it'll be something really new for all of us. Yeah. Uh, But I think it's workable. Honestly.
0: yeah i think so too and you know not thinking about it um it's really good that we kind of have a uh, you know a pretty good decent amount of time between release and you know any f- major tournaments happening like even local tournaments to be honest like november 15th to january 4th that's a nice chunk of time you know gotta kind of work those kinks out as well as uh, for the players to so, you know you know work on the metagame build teams you know develop something along that time but um I guess players were kind of upset in the beginning when they heard that the format was going to take, you know, a good month and a half to kind of flip to Sword and Shield. But, you know, kind of looking at it from this perspective, when there's still a lot of unknowns, is that, you know, it's good we kind of have this time to work on it without having anything, any uh high stakes on the line.
1: Yes, I 100% agree with that. And, um, you know, that that is, that that time window is going to probably... See a lot of myself sitting in the basement with my laptop and two switches, you know, with the kids and myself, you know, just making sure uh, layouts are working properly, that the capture is working fine, you know. Hopefully, you know, we find out that first weekend if there is a spectator mode, um, and we can have a big party um, and and, and kind of work through those kinks from from our perspective. Um, and you know, I hate to say it, but you know, probably the long pole in the tent and that. Transitional period from game release to the the new format um, is going to be information from the TPCI with regards to regulation locking for for locals. Ah uh-huh, uh, Yes, yeah. Um, as we know uh, historically, TPCI has um, had some issues in terms of like timeliness of communications of some of those bigger things. But um, I, I, you know, as players, I, I'd hope you'd agree though too that over the last you know probably year and a half or so we have really seen some great strides from on, on that side from the Pokemon company. Um, I, I feel that the communication has gotten, uh, much better, way more timely. Um, but, but e- even then that's a really short amount of time from mid November to the early part of January for that format transition. Um, so, uh, you know, I would hazard a guess that, um, one or more peoples in the organized play department are probably, um, doing the best they can right now to kind of pre position that information updates to rules, documents, um, you know, trying to determine, you know, how how this is all going to work for uh, local organizers as well, because, um, you know, they know that if they can't get that information to us fairly quickly, um, you know, there's, there's going to be that early part of that uh, transition or that early part of the, that switch over that is going to be lost. Right. And I know a lot of people are really kind of, chomping at the bit to to get into that switch format
2: yeah yeah they can't sacrifice any time but i think uh like you said there's got to be somebody over there who's putting together some kind of like you know packets that's going to have like the you know the rules for us competitive players uh the, the format and all that and then hopefully something that you know lays things out about how tournaments will be run and how boxes will be locked and such and Laying that all out, uh, I've said many times on this podcast, I'm really holding out for a tournament software as well, because I'm just very worried as to how player A is going to connect to player B sitting across from them, uh, and a tournament software might be able to just make everybody's lives easier, so, uh, I'm hoping for that, as well as the spectator mode.
1: Yeah, and, um,
2: that's one aspect we
1: really haven't talked about, is the the player-to-player interactions, right? Um. Right now, you sit down and you hook up over IR and you start battling. Um, The the what that's the one part that's really got me nervous because without being able to, you know, battle via IR, you're really limited now to the physical interface. Um, And I don't think we want to bring back link cables because the minute,
0: uh, (laughs) ooh, what a throwback! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) the minute you guys pop off and you stand up real quick with your system and now you're yanking link cables everywhere. Um, that's kind of bad, but at the same time, um, if we ever get our numbers back up, which I hope we, with sword and shield we do, um, you know, 200 players all trying to do Wi-Fi battles at the same time, uh, is, could also be problematic, although hardware and technology has gotten better. So maybe it's not as a big deal and I'm just worrying for nothing. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the other part that I'm kind of, well, Mike, about. you
2: remember in like the the ORAS XY era where we would use like just the PSS to find another player at locals you know you would have players we had no tournament software no QR locking so you were told to go sit at table three and then you would say oh I'm the guy with the purple hat and you know I my name in game is Alex or you know my name in game is Lexicon but you know you're playing Alex Underhill so you have to like find Lexicon in the game and then it's like or Vice versa, if you know, you're playing against me, Alex, and I put my name in as Alex, and somebody else is at the tournament named Alex, and they put their name in-game Alex. You remember all this, like...
1: Uh,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that was
0: an extreme yeah, pain. Yeah, I remember playing that, too. I don't
2: want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, from everything we've seen so far with the demos and reveals as well, um, it, it really seems like... uh between Nintendo Game Freak and Pokemon, um, there's been a little bit more thought than the previous generations for the video game side with regards to competitive play, right? Um, you know, one of the most exciting news we had recently was the the ability to change your Mons, right, in-game. Yeah. Now, they yeah. didn't provide a whole lot of details, but they kind of alluded to being able to change, like nature's, right? Yes, um, yes. So that's a big head nod towards game freak and pokemon and nintendo all working together to say okay there is this whole other side of the video game than the casual player that's you know falling in love with a new region and 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 playing through this rich story but there is also competitive side right they're acknowledging that embracing it so that you know they're you know it's easier it's it's more geared around for players to 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 get into that so uh, again hopefully um you know, we see some of that come out in the um, live competition modes, right, in the game itself, which would be really exciting. Yeah, as
0: well. I think we can take comfort in, you know, trusting Game Freak with the with this game because um, they've even advertised already, like, on the website how, you know, the, the whole raid battle system to get Dynamax or Gigantamax Pokemon, that kind of thing, is, you know, you can connect with, you know, other players. Um, I'm assuming you'll also be able to do this locally, so I'm sure they've also taken into account, you know, simple things like trading and battling led have been traditional um, aspects to Pokemon that are likely going to you're still going to be able to do on the local level um, without having you know necessarily an internet connection so I think we should be we should be okay I really crossing my fingers for that too we should be okay with all that but um yeah we know we are concerned as competitive players and people on the competitive side of the game here um for that for the future yeah um so while we're on that
1: topic of, like, internets and connectivity, um, I'd love to throw out a PSA here as well. Um, so something we were talking about, uh, uh, my son and I and um, uh, Jonathan Neville here in Ohio. Um, so Connor and I are going to be going to Brazil. Um, and interesting enough, you asked about my TO stuff and my judging things. I'm actually going to be judging trading card game while I'm in Brazil. So, Aha,
0: uh-huh. um, okay. Multiple, awesome.
1: Multiple hats here. Uh, but as you know, Sword and Shield drops, what, the Friday of yeah, Brazil? Yeah,
0: like the day oh, the yeah. tournament starts. Yeah,
1: right. So, um, we, it, Connor really wants to play it, so we're talking about a digital download for him on his Switch. Now, may not be a huge issue for players that have one Switch, one Switch only, but if you're in a family, or you happen to have multiple Switches for whatever reason, and you have a primary switch linked to your Nintendo account, right? And you could have other, you can have your account exist on other switches as well. So like in my house, we've got three switches and my account is linked to three of them, but one of them is primary. If you have a digital download of a game, when you go to launch that game, if you are on your primary switch, it will not go to the eShop to check if you can play that game if you're playing that digital download on a Switch that is not your primary Switch, every time you start it, it has to make a connection back to the eShop to verify that you are authorized to play that game. Oh, So, wow. right. If you are at an IC, let's say, and you're on a Switch, uh, so like let's say Connor was at uh, Brazil and he wanted to play Pokemon Sword and Shield, and he was on my DS, which is not his primary one, because we have like a family one that's his primary. If he went to go try and play it, he would need an internet connection to launch the title. Okay, but if he's on the family switch, which is his per, uh, his primary account, uh, is linked to that family switch, you can be in airplane mode; you don't have to be connected to the internet, and it will launch that title. And that's why I call it a PSA is, you know, if you have players out there that have multiple switch devices um, and you go to a tournament and you're not on your primary switch device, you're going to need some kind of Internet connection. So just keep that in mind as you, you do your travels for tournaments and things is um, if you have a digital download, um, the best way to, to, to make sure you're OK is to be on your primary switch
2: um, uh, or have Internet connection. Man, I'm, there's so many things that, <laughs> so, many, so many things to worry about going into Sword and Shield and under the Switch.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Battery life too, terrifying. right? Oh,
0: boy. Another concern, right? Um, oh, oh, boy, man. Yeah, so that's a great um announcement just for all of other players out there. So, you know, everyone taking cons- to consideration about, you know, your interconnections as you travel abroad and maybe go to the uh, Latin America International for that tournament when you're still on Ultra Series, but Sword and Shield will be out already. Now, Mike, I did want to ask you a question about the, um, Knoxville Regional that you recently, uh, streamed at, and, um, you know, just wanted to talk about what your experience was like, you know, doing a, uh, you know, a larger scale tournament, um, I guess maybe, uh, you know, in terms of the level it was, maybe not the player number, cause, um, player number was, you know, relatively low, um, Alex, I think we've even had, like, mid-season showdowns that were larger than that, so, um, Ooh,
2: I think, yeah, I think Rebecca did run one bigger back in the day. What about you, Mike?
1: Um, I don't think I've had anything that big, but yeah, fairly close back in the day. But, you know, the numbers recently all around have actually been kind of suffering. Yeah,
0: but. and that's okay. Anyway, I wanted to get to the, the uh, you know, the important question at hand is like, just what was your experience like, you know, getting to do the stream for the original in Knoxville?
1: Oh, great. Great question. Um, it was actually really fun. Um, and, uh like i said a little bit earlier uh when i found out that there wasn't a plan for a vg stream i said okay you know um if i just bring a laptop and a capture ds we can at least put something out there for for people to see um but you know the the basic setup is pretty much the same whether you're doing grassroots or um a video game regional um now you, you can scale up and do a whole bunch of other things and um for those of you that were there um you notice that we, we we did end up with commentators, um, but what we didn't have is that really good production quality in the back of the house with regards to, like, a commentator's desk and, you know, stage lighting and, you know, the winner's interviews were basically on the gameplay screen with with no cameras, just just kind of answer question, Q&A kind of thing, um, which I think, you know, overall was fine, but, um, you know, that's that's the part when you start stepping it up at that kind of level um, uh, I I don't have the setups for. I would love to kind of have them on hand, um, but like at my locals, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of commentator cameras and, and that kind of setup. Right, um, and that's understandable but, too. Yeah, and
2: what, you but you can't get all that ready was, with a week's notice, Mike.
1: Uh, well, so like I said, you know, my stuff sits in a in a in a case, you know, ready to go. So, um, honestly, if somebody were to say, "I want you to stream something tomorrow, someplace," and well, tomorrow's a work day so i can't but um but like uh just this past weekend uh the night before i was talking with uh chris rocher um out of michigan state um and i said hey i'm going to be up there uh, and playing and um well my son's going to be playing and i'll just bring my laptop capture card and um we just threw on a, just a super quick stream um so yeah, even within like a week or two's notice, it's it's really not that hard from a, from a technical perspective to bring that stuff um, and get it all set up. Um, so we, we arrived on a Friday around four o'clock, um, about an hour after we arrived. We had everything set up, ready to go uh, for Saturday morning. Um, now, probably take us maybe another hour or so if we had all of the commentator cameras and lights and green screens, if we wanted to do that or backdrops. Um, and honestly, the, the lion's share of the work for the stream, whether it's a PC midseason or even at that regional, regional level, is the, the orchestration between the tournament itself and mm-hmm. the okay. stream, right? Um, and fortunately, um, uh, originally, my oldest son Jared was not going to be going. And my thoughts on the stream was basically, I'm going to have it there running. And we'll just put people on there, and we'll, you know, one step above somebody standing there periscoping the the match, right? Um, but at the last minute, you know, my my son was able to come down with us. Um, he uh, uh, didn't have school on that Friday, so um, we were able to, you know, all drive down. And I, I, you know, two or three days before we we drove down, I sat down with him at the kitchen table and said, "Okay, here's all the stream equipment. Here's what it all does." here's the software. And, um, I, I kind of made him the, the de facto producer. Um, so he was the one that was, you know, helping pick matches. He was the one you know, putting the names up on the screen and hitting the transitions and, um, you know, making sure all of that from, from the production side of the house was, was running smooth. Um, and, and to tell you the truth too, we were, um, probably about three hours into the drive and, um, on a phone call with Whitney Johnson to say, hey, you know, he's like, I'm going to be there. Um, I haven't played in a while. So I just assumed commentate rather than actually play. Um, so we, we lined up our first commentator, um, you know, all, on the drive him, down. all <laughs> driving down the highway. Yeah. And then, uh, I think Jared and Whitney commentate, I think three, like round two or three and, uh, uh, drew Noah. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he ended up dropping. He's like, yeah, I'll commentate too. So uh, at that point, actually, it I think it made everything even easier in the back of the house uh, because Jared didn't have to do kind of pull two duties with uh, commentating and trying to run the stream equipment. So he, he basically shifted 100% over to the production side of the house, and the commentary was kind of just uh, all burdened onto uh, Whitney and, and Drew. Um, but, you know, it, it was really fun. Um, it was, um, it was nice to be able to provide that kind of opportunity for people at home to, to, to see and, and stream. Um, and it, at the, at the fundamental level, there really isn't a huge difference between streaming grassroots and streaming regionals. It's just, um, the, the level of coordination between the tournament and the stream side of the house, um, had to be a little, a little bit tighter. It was a little bit more, um a little bit more going on to try to coordinate all those different things um and of course uh, your viewer counts are much higher and you know now you're having to appease a lot more people out there on the the worldwide web um and and i want to say just thanks to everybody that did tune in and they were patient with us and we heard some good feedback which is really great um i i think i um i think we were in the 300 something um twitch followers and i think that those two days i went from 300 some odd uh, viewer followers to i think oh just over 700 followers now on
2: twitch oh nice yeah
1: yeah i was gonna uh, ask
2: was, you if you didn't give us the numbers i was gonna ask for them off air so i'm glad that you did yeah, mention them that's that's really
1: awesome. nice yeah there. I, I yeah i think it's around that number it's, it's easily over 600 i think we may have gotten really close to 700 or so i'm not 100 percent sure i didn't really pay too much close attention to it but uh, it was basically a solid stream of notifications over the weekend of new follows uh, so i really appreciate that um th- the one challenge i have now is uh, some of those new followers um, i'm streaming from like uh, michigan state this last weekend uh mid-season and i've got people on the twitch chat saying okay uh h- how do i join in you know i, I want to do viewer battles with you and i'm like uh, uh, yes. <laughs> oh yes oh i see <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, sorry, we're, we're, this is a live tournament and, you know, th- these are just players at the tournament and we're not doing viewer battles. And, um, you know, some of the pl- people were like, oh, okay. And then I think there was a handful of people who were like, oh, fine, never mind. And then like, they, they leave, you know, I'm like, sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to do that. So, um, you know, one of my thoughts is hopefully at some point here in the near future, uh, I might try to stream a little bit more frequently, even just from like my basement, just hanging out playing, uh, VGC. Um, although I'm not very good, but you know what? Who cares? If I'm online, come join me. If you don't, I don't care. I'm an old man. I don't care what you think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and kind of the point with that is just to maybe attract some of the newer players, maybe who haven't tipped, uh, dipped their toes into competitive yet, and be like, hey, if you want to, you know, try this and you know, test your skills against you know some of the best players out there, is you know, come to a tournament, come to a local and their regionals throughout the country as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. Like I said, you know, if if I start doing something a little bit on a more regular basis, it's really kind of just in preparation for when that sword and shield drops. Because I, I definitely, I, you know, even just I'm doing playthrough, you know, online, um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm 44-year-old man. I'm playing video games. And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, who would ever want to watch an old man play a video game online? But um, I, I'm always shocked at the... You know, if if I was online doing something, or you know, there are people out there watch Minecraft. You know, for the love of goodness, right? Um, I'm like, my brain can't comprehend that. But you know, I have a feeling if I were to stream something, somebody will watch me do something. I, I don't know, but
2: I'll watch uh, it. <laughs> well, Same, well, thank yeah, you very much. So that's cool. That uh, that's like what you're planning on doing going forward. Uh, really exciting uh, to hear. I just. uh I'm again, like, I think, I speak for all of us, I'm really excited for what Sword and is going to bring, and so, yeah, it's really, uh, a good idea to, you know, get, you got this boost from Knoxville, and you want to keep that going, you know, going into Sword and Shield, because hopefully that is a big, you know, thing of growth for VGC. We saw that happen back in, like, 2014, when that was the beginning of an era for a lot of people, that was, uh, yeah, that was the first on the 3DS, I guess, so that is kind of a new system transfer, but not nearly as big of a deal as moving to the Switch. No,
0: not so. at all. And uh, Mike, don't take don't put too much pressure on yourself for you know, uh, you know, having to you know stream or do content, uh, you know, just off tournaments and stuff. Um, it's going to be a team effort from all of us already involved in the community.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And, and I never really put pressure on myself, but you know, I'd be like okay, you know, if I'm hanging out playing anyways, it doesn't, like I said, it I just have the laptop up and running. I connect up. Um, it wouldn't be very hard just to kind of just go live with the stream and sit back and and, and oh, hang and out, play, and uh, so you know it, that that's great. And I, I just hope the regional streams continue to grow. Um, and then for all of you viewers out there that you know, I, I, I will share one of the frustrations from a, from a stream producer, I guess, or you know, somebody that puts on mm-hmm. streams. Um, um, or, or just now working with, you know, um, a regional level organizer for stream at a regional level. Um, streams, it, it, like I said, from the, from the technical side, it wasn't that hard, right? I've got equipment, it show up, you do those things. But um, at the regional level, the, besides the whole, you know, interaction with the the TO and the, and the rest of the tournament, uh, a lot of the challenges really come from a logistical side, right? Right. Um, Getting an internet connection at a regional venue, um, if you can get one, is pretty expensive. I mean that that's one of the shocking costs for for you know that it was kind of eye opening to me is is to look at some of those costs for having an internet drop um, so that the stream can even exist. And um, so sometimes you hear people online, and and thankfully it's not a whole lot of players, but you know or you know, people out there watching, um, but there are some out there that are like you know, oh, you know, it's 2020, 2019, you know, how can we have a regional without a stream? Um, It it takes time and money. And and that's, I think, where, you know, you you can't really fault regional organizers sometimes um, if they don't have an entire budget laid out for a a really big stream production uh, because of that cost, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we do the best we can, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to help put that together. but. that's a huge cost, um, and then in some states, um, California is one of those notorious ones. Union rules make the stream almost a hundred percent cost prohibitive, right? Um, you know, because I, I think like in California, for every person that like if I were sitting back there or Jared was sitting back there producing, um, in order to not violate the union rules, there has to be like one or two other people there from the union to To help do those same kinds of things, right, and um, that just grows and grows to the cost uh, to the point where it's 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 hard to put on. So, um, you know, kind of going back to your your <laughs> your earlier question, Steve was the, the uh you know th- th- one of the biggest differences is all the logistical costs and 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 things that you have to go through in order to put on to get the stream out of the venue right and that that's it's probably the biggest difference i would think from a a regional perspective compared to a grassroots
0: yeah very understandable you know just these different scales of the tournaments and you know the different venues you're going to be in um, with respect to that too so um yeah i you know got got, definitely got a lot more respect for you know the work that has to be done for a stream uh specifically for um, uh, The video game, and you know, you add trading card game alongside that, you know, that can be really costly for your uh, tournament organizer and, you know, the head uh, person running everything, too. So, uh, yeah, uh, so thanks for telling us, uh, you know, about the Knoxville experience there and just for some of the other regionals here. Um, you know, any last closing thoughts on the streams before we move on to uh, one other quick re- topic here?
1: Oh, I, I, I think I'm pretty set there. Unless you guys have any other burning questions that have just been gnawing at your head from that perspective, but I'm kind of excited to talk about the other
0: things. All right, too. Alex, you got anything else?
2: Let's get to it. Let's get to it.
0: All right, so everyone, right now we're going to switch to talk about Gigantamax Pokemon. Now, we've uh, had three already revealed to us, and these are all uh, Generation Eight Pokemon. I believe we had Dreadnought, Corviknight, and Alcremie, uh, who all got Gigantamax forms. Now, last week. Later in the week, we also got revealed some, uh, actually, you know, Generation 1 Pokemon who are also going to get Gigantamax forms. So, they, uh... Gen
2: 1, woo! Everybody is super excited that more Gen 1 representation? (laughs) I feel like Gen 1 doesn't get any love. I mean, I think
0: that's cool. Like, everyone, you know, Gen 1's Gen 1. Like, I'm sure everyone loves it. But, um... I want to just quickly go over the five Pokemon. We can talk um, all about them as a whole or individuals, but we got... An, actually, all five of these as well have their own specific G-Max moves. Um, so we have uh, Gigantamax Pikachu who gets the move G-Max Volt Crash. We have Eevee who gets G-Max Cuddle. We have Meowth who gets G-Max Gold Rush. We have Charizard who gets G-Max Wildfire. And Butterfree who gets G-Max Befuddle. Now, um... I believe Charizard and Butterfree are going to be able to be found during normal gameplay. Uh, the other three are kind of uh, more obscure ones where Pikachu you need to have like play data from Let's Go Pikachu. Same for Eevee, you need uh, play data from Let's Go Eevee to be able to get those from within the game. Meowth is kind of like an early purchase bonus from some time period through in January I think. Um, so... Let's just talk about all of these, uh, these, you know, these Gigantamax Pokemon, you know, kind of their appearance, who we like, who we don't like. Uh, I guess maybe the G-Max moves, too, and just, uh, you know, this whole um, idea behind it, too.
2: Yeah, so appearance-wise, we got some really cool new things to look at. Definitely go check out the trailer if you haven't already. But uh, we got, like, Fat Pikachu, Extra Fluffy, Eevee, Meowth is, uh, I think it's supposed to be, like, a representation of a, a meme like a long cat meme. Uh, It's like, it's pretty funny to look at, too. Charizard is actually really, really cool looking um, for the, you know, Charizard fans out there, which I think is like the most popular Pokemon.
0: I'm Um, a Charizard fan. It's cool. I like it.
2: uh uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. And then uh, Butterfree uh, looks like something from Godzilla, which is really cool.
0: Oh, uh, Um, like Mothra? I think it's Mothra.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mothra. So, uh, my personal favorite is I think just the Charizard, even though uh, I am a little bit sour that Charizard's getting another form. I mean, I'm not gonna complain. Like, you know, it's it's exciting, and I love that the, uh, the secondary effect of what Charizard's G-Max move does, but, uh, in terms of aesthetics, which one do you like, Mike? Um,
1: well, so, that's the thing, right? So, I'm like you. The Charizard, you're like, okay, he looks super cool, but he always gets so much love, so you almost have to hate on him a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Pikachu, of course, my, my fondness of of the Pikachu line of evolutions and the fact that he gets big, chonky boy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> the, the third part that kind of just makes me giggle every time I read it is you know, G Max befuddle. Right? Um, <laughs> come on, who, who
2: can't love that
1: kind of a of a, of a name?
2: Yeah, I like when the new attacks get, like, really, uh, experimental with the, uh, names and they're not just, like, so literal. Like, uh, with the Z moves, we got to see some really cool, uh, names like Menacing Moonrays Maelstrom and, you know, stuff like that, uh, where instead of it just being, uh, like, Fire Blast, you know, just kind of a very literal interpretation of a move. Befuddle is, like, the one that I think most VGC players are scared of, is what it seems to be because, uh, Befuddle, it is a bug-type G-Max move uh, that Butterfree can use, and it will take both of the opponent's Pokémon, so uh, VGC applicable. Uh, in doubles, it will take both of their Pokémon and either make them poison, asleep, or paralyzed. Uh, at random, probably one-third chance for each. Yeah. And, uh, like, I think it's reminiscent of uh Effect Spore, the ability... Um, but instead you are inflicting it onto both of their Pokemon. Uh and I just want to bring up that it has a one in nine chance to be the uh in the ever-feared Dark Void. Oh
0: god. <laughs> I mean that, that is kind of terrifying, right? To have that kind of effect. You know, um we'll see if Butterfree gets any stat buffs, but um you know, just because it's gonna be a Gigantamax, you know, you we you know for sure it's gonna get um the HP percent, the HP boost. So, it's going to get a little bit bulkier in that sense, um, you know, we'll see how, you know, how threatening this Gigantamax Butterfree actually is going to be with this, uh, G-Max move. Um, yeah, all the, the names are really neat, and, you know, all the Dynamax names for each specific type also have, you know, fun little things that, the additives they do with that too, so, that's a neat thing. Um, Meowth's, Meowth's Gold Rush, that G-Max move, like, it seems pretty useless, uh, for in battle. Um, I I can see it being very nice for in-game when you need to make some money.
2: Unless TPCI pays out more money if you use it in finals. Ooh, <laughs> I mean, if 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 you
0: got a meowth up to finals like that, like you, I mean, you should be getting money for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god, oh, I just can't stand meowth though. He's like that big stretched-out cat thing. I'm not a big fan of that one.
2: No, no, I thought it was kind of silly. It's like uh, a lot of people are comparing it to Executor, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, I something I, th- I want to mention with regards to Butterfree, uh, is, and it's important. Just a mechanical, uh, note is that Butterfree uses its uh, befuddle, and the opponent's regular Pokemon gets uh, paralyzed, a Mudsdale, um, and then like, I think it was an Obstagoon gets put to sleep as it was Dynamaxed, which I think is a very important thing to bring up. Because uh, sleep being able to waste your Dynamax turns, that's huge.
0: Yeah, no, that is it. Very much is for when you're have a Dynamax Pokemon like that. Um, you know, they're we've already been con- it's been confirmed that they're going to be immune to flinching from you know Fake Out or Rock Slide or Iron Head those kind of things. But it seems like they'll still be able to become afflicted with in a status status conditions. And um, you know, I'm I'm cool with that. That's fine. So, it is going to be big to kind of burn those Dynamax turns that in that way. Uh, maybe this isn't as controlled as, you know, a regular sleep move would do it, but, um, you know, you can take your chances with this uh, GMAX befuddle move.
1: So, what, what do you guys think about the, um, I know, again, Marsh on, on Twitter was saying that uh, he, he actually laid out a bet out there that uh, these Gigantamax, um, pokemon won't be in competitive play but we'll have dynamax i believe but not gigantamax
2: now i don't think it's totally based off of nothing just with the uh with the fact that you know we we never let the event pokemon be part of the game uh like you know mew and all the mythicals and such this uh the pikachu and the eevee um are the ones that are holding me up not so much meowth because we've had things like speed boost Torchic, Torchic, be introduced early in the game. And that was, you know, legal in uh, VGC. I guess maybe it wasn't. In... No, no, it was legal. Um, but the uh, Eevee and the Pikachu requiring Let's Go save data, I think, is just a little bit iffy. And while I don't know how relevant they will or won't be, uh, it's important that, you know, Pokemon makes the games as inclusive as they can be. And it, yeah, with those two coming from a requiring the purchase of another game, it could be kind of icky.
1: Well, also think about this though too, right? Isn't all the Gigantamax uh, Pokemon you you have to find them through the, uh, the those group battles, right? Don't you have to do like a team? Oh yeah, those, team uh, uh, the raid, raid
0: battles in game,
1: right? And so let's say I'm playing the game through, and I I, I never use the online features to do uh, online raid battles to ex- encounter these you know Gigantamax Pokemon, right? Um, so I guess you could also say that all of the other Gigantamax Pokemon aren't necessarily part of normal ga- quote unquote, normal gameplay, right? But just by following the storyline and completing the game, you don't necessarily encounter these Gigantamax Pokemon.
2: It's almost like a prize for playing online. Right, right. So,
1: you know, that's kind of another thought of maybe they won't be available in competitive play either.
0: So, I kind of get the points with having the extra, um, you know, save data for Pikachu and the Eevee, and, and uh, along with the uh, having to do with external gameplay for these Gigantamax forms. But, um, you know, those are compelling arguments. But, you know, in the past, we did have like the hidden abilities from, uh, in Generation 5 from the Dream World. That was the only way you could get some of those Pokemon. You'd have to like go online to the Global Link or whatever it was, play those. Silly mini games on there, which were you know they were kind of fun, but um you know you would do that to obtain those hidden abilities for those Pokemon to send them down to your black and white or black two and white two games. So um I yeah
1: yeah that's I true. could
0: I could definitely still see Gigantamax Pokemon being allowed, and um you may need to do some extra things to be able to obtain them in your game. Now the Pikachu and EV kind of do stretch that a lot. I don't really like that fact that you need that play data, but uh, you know that's Pokemon's. I guess it's their marketing strategy for this. It's just like let's have these people pay us some money to you know get these if they want these Gigantamax forms. Yeah, that's
1: a valid point too. I didn't think I didn't remember the I forgot about the whole Dream World stuff.
2: I played that so much that was like when I just got into competitive Pokemon. Oh gosh, those Dream World games.
0: I mean I did those a lot too. I actually, I actually love them.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like I have decent like decently fond memories of them, but I also grinded them like every day after I got back from school just because I wanted to get like the one hidden ability that I found interesting, but it was like ch- a lot of chance on po- top of grinding. It was exactly what Pokemon is, you know. Of course, yeah. lots of chance on top of grinding. Oh,
0: and uh remember this too like the Back in Gen 5, the way you got like your Therian forms, you needed to do like that weird uh camera thing through some other game um in order to get the mirror. What's the mirror called that, that changes their incarnate forms to therian forms? Oh I Whatever. It was is that special mirror that does that for the uh Kami trio there and that was also done through, like, some other external thing, and you needed to have, I don't know, some other game or some other, like, program from the TS. I don't remember, to be honest. It's been a long time. But, um, you know, that never stopped, you know, all these weird, strange mechanics or these things haven't stopped po- those kind of Pokemon from being, um, you know, banned from play.
2: Those were before my time in VGC, so they're just myths. So. <laughs> Fine, go ahead and just poke holes all in my flat mag wrap. Fair enough. But uh,
0: <laughs> speaking of, you know that I guess that question or that uh, poll, or I guess what your take would be on it. Um, I would be on the side that's saying G- Gigantamax Pokemon will be uh, legal for competitive play.
2: I'll uh, I'll go ahead and jump on the they are not going to be legal ship. I'll I'll try okay. it. I think it's like a decent. I think it's a decent call with a decent enough reason okay.
0: behind
2: it. Oh, now you're looking for my vote. <laughs> you're the tiebreaker. And I guess. Um,
1: I don't know. After hearing the both sides of the argument, now, um, uh oh. um, I'm I'm gonna lean towards no as well. And 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 I'm, I'll throw this caveat: this is the only reason is the whole Pikachu E V one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard the other stories about the, uh, the Dream Worlds and the other out out of game things, but um, it didn't require you to go buy a whole other thing, right? So. Uh yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards they won't. Alright.
2: You chose right,
0: Mike. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean Pikachu with the uh light ball, I can see that being okay with that effect. You know, Eevee, that that T Max move on Eevee so is much. terrible. That's awful. Uh
2: something some last points that I want to bring up before we wrap up here is the uh, Meowth one. Now I am not a uh very picky animation guy. However, the Meowth one was just a reskin of the Eevee one that was shown earlier in the trailer. I don't know if you guys saw that too, but uh, I thought I was just kind of a little annoyed that like they were the exact same G-Max move. Uh, when these are like supposed to be the, you know, the one-off ones, the ones that have a special effect. Meowth makes coins scatter everywhere and Eevee's makes hearts, you know, they're they're different, but they're basically just a beam of light. Um, I think they could have been, I think they could have been cuter, cooler. Fair. Uh, and then one other uh, thing I want to mention I think is really cool is the uh, Charizard's secondary effect. I believe it sets up a old mechanic that has been around, it's just hardly relevant. I think it's the Sea of Fire. The uh, secondary effect of a Fire Pledge combined with a Grass Pledge uh, right. is that it makes all non-fire type Pokemon on the opposing side take uh, 1 eighth damage every uh, end of turn. And This is really cool because the pledge mechanics are so fringe, but like they're almost as relevant as something like a weather or a terrain. They have large effects. They're just so conditional that we don't see them in play a lot. This is another way to get those more in play. And it makes me think, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, I'm pretty sure it hasn't, that Bulbasaur and Squirtle are going to be in the game. But I think they will be just because... I think they're going to be in the game with a grass and water equivalent of this G-Max Wildfire.
0: Oh, yeah, kind of akin to those pledge combinations, you know. Uh maybe, you know, maybe still not confirmed yet. Um, you know, kind of same deal when Charizard got the extra mega evolution form, but the other two didn't. So, who knows, uh... they may, they may not make <laughs> the cut this time.
1: Yeah, actually the early PC days, we actually had a guy that was running the pledges. Uh he ran a pledge team. It, he didn't do too badly um but it was it was like you said it was very fringe but when he pulled it
0: off it was kind of fun those secondary effects are so fun yeah they are they're really cool to like pull off in tandem like that and like i know we've had pledge teams like top cut regionals before that was what 2015 alex is that right sounds right
2: <laughs> oh that's when all the chicago boys are running the yeah. pledge.
0: so i mean i don't know we'll see that's a, that is a really cool effect though by the way you know kind of just looking at this as a whole now it uh way back when it was announced that we weren't gonna have uh Z moves or Mega Stones come over, it makes a lot more sense now. Um just the way with uh especially Charizard getting a form like this now, um Eevee uh getting a G Max form, you know, you wouldn't want to have it with its Z crystal and be able to do this too, so um it makes a lot more sense why those items have are gonna be uh, kind of like archived away.
2: Ah, uh, but man, like all these Pokemon have already gotten their love; they don't need more. I know,
0: yeah. <laughs> good
2: well, good for Butterfree. That, I-
0: that is how it is with uh, you know Pokemon; like they have their favorites too.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Stupid
2: Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed.
0: Oh boy. Yeah, Charizard's making the cut for everything. Mega Evolutions, Super Smash Brothers, um, the Gigantamax forms. But I think that's our show for today. You know, we talked a lot about streaming these Gigantamax forms, and we're going to head out of here. But we just want to lastly say thank you to Mike for being on the show. We really appreciate your time here uh, helping us out.
1: Uh, I appreciate being being on. I'm quite honored, and it's kind of weird to be on this side of any kind of uh, uh,
2: production. (laughs) Yeah, you get to just dip in and dip out. It's great. Yes. Now you guys get to do all the heavy lifting and by that we mean Steven cuz Steven is the hard worker here.
0: <laughs> well, the honestly honestly the hardest part of the show is done already. So, we're all good on that end. Uh with the recording that is. Perfect. So, everyone, we can you can find our show in a variety of different places. You can find our show on uh, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can leave us a review in those places to help us with visibility uh, for the show. You can also tell your friends about this show. If this is something they would enjoy about competitive Pokemon, please let them know. You can also send us comments, feedback, and questions to our email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. And you can also find the show on Facebook and on Twitter at the Hypervoice. Now, lastly, you can also follow all three of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Lexicon VGC. And Mike, where can people follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Summit City Gym. Excellent. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you've enjoyed it. And stay tuned for more of the hyper voice.
2: Alola.